minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we go. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's right, 3cr.org.au. Guess what, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, workers and non-workers, Social Security recipients and non-Social Security recipients, retirees and non-retirees, yes, it's nearly the end of the year, and yes, I am going a little bit balmy. Okay, and if you wonder what anarchy is all about, simple concept, anarchos without rulers, not without rules. How do you create a society without rulers? You share power through direct democratic mechanisms, using a delicate system where you make decisions and and delegates carry out those decisions. And you share wealth, your whole wealth in common. It's inequalities in power and wealth which give small groups of people the power to impose their will and put their needs and their desires and their wants before yours. Very simple concept, anarchism. You don't need a PhD, doctorate of letters. You don't even know you don't even need to know how to read and write. Many of the early anarchists didn't know how to read and write, but they didn't know how to sing a good song. So, that's what it's about. So if you're not interested, move on. There's, you know, life is short. Life isn't a dress rehearsal, just move on. But if you are interested, keep listening. Because this program has one objective in mind. And that objective is for you to stop being a spectator in the game of life and actually start participating in it. It's about you tearing up your membership card to the somebody should do something about that tribe or I'm going to do something about that tribe and actually start standing up. Get off that couch. Get those crutches. Stand up. Don't be a witness to history and then complain actually make history by being involved in the political and social and cultural struggles which are necessary to share wealth and share power and create a society where each and every one of us has the potential to develop ourselves in a secure, safe environment in the maximum capacity. That's what anarchism is about. It's about getting involved in struggles talking about ideas that promote 
the idea that individual security, individual power comes from collective action. It's collective action which ultimately changes things. And if you think, and if you think that pressing a button somewhere in the ether, somewhere in the virtual world is somehow going to change your life or the life of the people around you, think again. Although, being a total hypocrite like Mr Broad, next year we will be extending our, well, we're extending now, our digital footprint. you like that word? Our digital footprint in the virtual world because we need to be able to get into that virtual world, kick some ass, that's right, and get people to jump out of the virtual reality into the real world and actually make a difference for themselves, the people around them, and society in general. So from the second week in 2019, we will be hosting a one-hour YouTube program. That's right, one-hour YouTube program, which may increase with time. So keep your eyes out for that. And yesterday I've reactivated, as Secretary of Public Interest before Corporate Interest, we've reactivated the uh, Twitter handle for Public Interest before Corporate Interest because we are sick and tired of waiting in the margins for people to say enough is enough. And the Twitter handle for that I'll be using from two thousand from now till the end of two thousand nineteen is Pibci P I B C I dot info at gmail dot com. Pibci P I B C I dot info at gmail dot com. Very simple. Pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot info at gmail.com. And if you want to uh, get involved, fair enough, it's there. We started yesterday, we'll continue hopefully to the end of next year and then we'll reassess whether it's a total waste of time or whether it has some impact. Okay, because we need to get onto as many, here's another fancy word, platforms as we can in order to counter the messages which are continually we've been hammered with that resistance is useless, that we need to accept the status quo, that corporate capitalism is almost synonymous with religious experience. It's just something that humanity has created in order to maximise profits for a, a very small minority. Very simple. We can change anything we want to change. Not as individuals, not as small groups, but by encouraging people to take action, to jump out of the virtual world into the real world and get going. All right. I'll send you a bill for the, uh, for the uh, speech there. Now, some people never learn, do they? Now, the banks have really had a bit of a drubbing. I mean, we've been drubbing, we've been kicking ass for what four decades on the anarchist world this week, and we really, we really actually understand the nature of the banking system. But it's taken, you know, four decades of exploitations for enough pressure to be built up for the uh, Liberal National Coalition government to actually call a royal commission. And when the royal commission was called, everybody's talking about, oh, whoa, isn't this terrible? Isn't this terrible? Isn't this terrible? It's all about the culture. Not about capitalism, not about corporate capitalism, an economic and cultural and social system which is based on the concept of making ever-increasing profits 
irrespective of the human, social, environmental and costs. Nah, it's all about the culture. Well, boys and girls, the culture ain't changing. Even the shareholders are revolting. Now, people buy shares for one reason. Well, two reasons. One, for the dividend. At the end of the year, they get, you know, dollar, dollar twenty, two dollars, two cents for each share they hold. So that's the profit, which is distributed amongst shareholders. And if the particular company is profitable, it's kind of got ticks all the right boxes, its share prices will increase and they'll make a profit when they sell their shares. That's the only reason people buy shares for, right? There's no moral, ethical considerations, although some people talk about ethical investment, but that's another issue when they buy shares. Well, the National Australia Bank is having its uh, AGM and unfortunately under the law they have to hold an AGM once a year. And it looks like that the shareholders have finally had enough, as they had with Westpac. They're going to vote down the remuneration package. Now, these people must have bloody rocks in their heads. Now, I'm sure the National Australia Bank Chief Executive, Mr Andrew Forburn, is a very decent human being, right? He's done his best to maximise profits for the shareholders in a difficult year where profits has fallen, the share price has fallen, they've been publicly humiliated. You know, the Banking Royal Commission, they'll be forced to make changes because of laws. But guess what? The bloody shareholders are pissed off that the NAB chief executive will be receiving, well, would like to receive, because he won't after this vote, would like to receive a cash bonus of $837,000, and also $1.2 million in shares on top of his salary of $2.3 million because he's done such a good job. (laughs) And they talk about changing the culture. This type of garbage you see on every major corporate board in this country where people enrich themselves at the expense of customers and workers in those organisations expecting their bonuses to be rubber-stamped by pliant boards and investors who don't give a shit. You know? But it looks like even the investors have had enough. So it'll be interesting to see, because under the new legislation, if this remuneration package is, uh, is uh, the word, rejected two years in a row, elections have to be held for a new board. So, let's see what happens. But I'm just talking about the culture's not going to change. I mean, how could you expect a cash bonus of $837,000, a bonus of $1.2 million in shares on top of your base salary of $2.3 million for running an organisation like the NAB, which has been shown through the Royal Commission to have really been involved in many, many dodgy practices. And we're not even talking about the way they treat their customers and staff. So think about it. Do you think these people are able to be reformed? Of course you can't be reformed. We need a different type of banking system. Now, I like to, as you know, I like to read the Constitution, keep it under my pillow, Essential reading, the Australian Constitution. Why it's essential reading? Because theoretically it forms the building blocks of the nation. 
the High Court is there to uh, interpret the Constitution if there are issues brought up and the seven wise men and women are expected to adjudicate on what is written in this founding document of the nation which was a, which was uh, which was uh, accepted in 1901 and as i've said before the australian constitution is a bit of a platypus a bit of a mixed animal it uh, basically regulates the relationship between the federal government that's the central government and the states and each state voted to actually federate into the federation of australia and unlike the US Constitution, which gives people some modicum of protection against the arbitrary exercise of state power, there's no constitutional protections to things like even free speech. The High Court about 15 years ago in its wisdom had to find an implied right to free speech, which was restricted to the period an election is held. Because you can't call have an election unless people have got free speech, they decided. So it just shows you what a pathetic document it is and I think it was in 1996 uh, I and a colleague we stood uh, uh, we stood we, we put up a, can- a candidacy in the uh, in the uh, referendum and our candidacy was a new constitution for a new millennium obviously we were didn't get anywhere but at least we raised that issue saying a 19th century document for the 20th century is not appropriate for the 21st century. So let's get back to the Australian Constitution because I could crap on this for years. So the Governor-General, there's going to be another, a new Governor-General appointed. That's right. And it's going to be the current Governor of New South Wales who is a military man. And the previous Governor-General was a military man. So this concerns me. I'll tell you why it concerns me. Because the head of the Australian Armed Forces isn't the Australian Prime Minister, although the Australian Prime Minister has the power to unilaterally declare war against another nation's state without Cabinet approval or parliamentary approval. But the Governor-General represents the Queen of England, Elizabeth II, who is the head of the Australian Armed Forces, which makes the Governor-General the head of the Australian Armed Forces, not the Australian Prime Minister. And I was a little bit surprised to see another military man appointed to be head to be Governor General for the next five to six years, because that's the appointment that usually lasts about five years. And then my aging cerebral sulci and neurons began to, you know, light up. Because there's been legislation over the last three or four years which has been quite interesting. Because this legislation allows the Commonwealth Government to intervene at any time in any state if they believe Commonwealth interests may be threatened, which means scum like you taking to the streets had actually been successful for once. 
not been a telephone box minority, not that we have any telephone boxes left, but actually been able to grab the initiative and use direct action, as we've seen in France in the last four or five weeks, as a mechanism by which to change government policy. So now the Prime Minister has the authority, and that means the Governor-General has the authority, to unleash the Australian Armed Forces against the Australian people at any time if they believe Commonwealth interests are threatened. We're not talking about property damage or rioting in the streets. We're talking about Commonwealth interests threatened, which could mean anything. Which means that a Commonwealth government can actually send in the armed forces into a state and the state authorities under the direction of the state government would actually be you know, ordered to halt this intervention, which could lead to a bloodshed, obviously, or a bloodbath. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? And on top of this, and again, if you think I'm making this up, look up the legislation. Don't ring me about it. Don't waste my time because I do read the legislation. And on top of this, any Commonwealth forces that are placed in that position are indemnified against prosecution regarding property damage or damage, physical harm or death to Australians. Okay? Very simple. It's there. And then when you apply, when you appoint a Governor-General who's a military man with a military history, as Governor-General, it basically apply, it, it appoints a person with a mindset that could quite easily take over from a Commonwealth government, as we saw in 1975, if it believes rabble like you and me pose a significant threat to the status quo or even a minor threat to the status quo. Think about it. And when you add this legislation, the legislation which allows the Attorney-General to ban any organisation at any time he likes that he sees fit because he believes it is a threat to Australian security and then jail people for up to 25 years for belonging to that organisation or making payments to that organisation, you can actually see how uh, draconian this legislation is and how it could be used in a situation where people like you and me are more than just a burr under the saddle, you know, slight, causing slight discomfort, they're actually able to organise to such a degree that we pose a significant threat to the status quo and the state and the government of the day. Think about it. Fascinating. Let's move on. Now, you know, I don't usually do much about foreign stuff because... Look, I can pontificate about it for the next 26 hours, but it's really not going to make any difference. But I do find things quite amusing sometimes. And I'm uh, getting to be increasingly amused by our President Groper's uh, problems. <laughs> his latest problem is his little charity, his personal charity, is going to be dissolved. Because guess what? It was being used 
to promote the Trump family. And the bloke who was appointed as treasurer didn't even know he was treasurer and hadn't had a board meeting since 1996. So it was basically a slush fund for the Trump family. Now, this from a president who's never paid any tax, although he's a billionaire. You can understand the American people are really in a bit of a pickle currently, but it's their pickle. They chose to believe social media. They chose to believe that this man could resolve issues that they had. They chose to elect him, and those didn't vote. Well, they chose not to bother. So there you go. There you go. Isn't it fascinating? But it's their problem. Although it's our problem now that a new US ambassador has been appointed to Australia. It'd be quite interesting. It would be our problem if they had decided to uh, call on us to assist them in another war somewhere else in the land of the brave and the free. Now, something a bit more serious. Now, I love the Premier of Victoria, Mr Daniel Andrews, who's been re-elected with an increased majority. I love him. And I love him for one reason. He makes the word hypocrite. He gives the word hypocrite its its meaning. Now, just in case you don't realise this, there is a big celebration called Christmas coming up in the next week or so. Now, at Christmas time, what we like to do is we like to feel good. And the Salvation Army is an expert at making people feel good. And in Melbourne, the Salvation Army headquarters are in Burke Street, which is a stone throws from the Victorian Parliament House. And they like to have a Christmas do for the down and outs, they say them, the down and outs, you like that. I call them the exploited, the ignored, the marginalised, the shunned. And there's always pretty pictures and you've always got to have a politician go down to these events because what's the point of having a an event like this if you haven't got pretty pictures in the politicians? Now let's not forget that those of you who are involved in the 10-day vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House from the 10th to the 24th of November would, would remember that the upper end of Burke Street is the hub of homelessness in the city of Victoria. Sorry, in the city of Melbourne, sorry. My apologies, the city of Melbourne. And 50 metres from Parliament House, people are sleeping rough on the streets. You walk down the alleyways, you will see hundreds of people who are homeless, who are waiting to get back in to a bit of shelter overnight, who are pushed out at 6am and dispersed through the cities in order not to upset the tourists and the commuters and the workers. And those of you who've been around between midnight and 6am or about 10pm in that part of the city will note that it's more of a, a militarised zone than an actual, you know, city block. So for Mr Daniel Andrews, the Premier of Victoria, 
who through his former Minister for Public Housing, Mr Foley, and now I understand the new Minister is Mr Wynne, were pushing a privatisation agenda and wasting billions of dollars of taxpayers' money to support the private sector in terms of providing emergency accommodation, for him to walk down the steps of the Victorian Parliament, down Burke Street, or he may have been driven down, I don't know. I assume he walked down. It's not far. I've walked down there. If I can walk, he can walk. He's a younger man. So, and then say, and, that's, and then say, and then say, with all honesty, first of all, he congratulated the Salvation Army for the great job they were doing. Fair. And then he said, how we treat the most vulnerable is such an important measure of the sort of society we are. Now I can assure you the most vulnerable are treated in the most vulgar, mean fashion in the state of Victoria and I assume in the rest of the country. Although I'm not personally familiar with the situation in the rest of the country. What a hypocrite. They have a solution at their fingertips. They have a budget of tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars. They can solve the issue of dispossession and homelessness within a month by, as we suggested, allocating stamp duty revenue, which is a tax which is raised on the sale of property into the public housing sector. So instead of dismantling the public housing sector and privatising it and allowing organisations like the Salvation Army running this homeless industry, they could actually resolve the problem tomorrow. And they have elected not to, although all you've got to do is walk down those steps or stand at the top end of Burke Street late at night and you can see the number of people who are sleeping rough as well as the number of people that are crowded in the so-called Salvation Army Cafe and across the streets of Melbourne and in regional Victoria and across Australia. So this issue can be resolved now. They choose not to. Now, I understand the Victorian Parliament has been sworn in on the 19th of December 2018. For the next four years, we'll have this lame duck government and a lame duck opposition and lame duck minority parties squandering, squandering the opportunity to make a real difference in our society. Well, I'm putting them on notice. Not that anybody cares what I say, obviously, because I'm just talking to myself. There's nobody listens to the anarchist world this week. You'd be mad to listen to the anarchist world this week. That's what they tell you. Well, if you are listening, we are the opposition. We are the opposition. And we will be involved in a long-running campaign which will be orchestrated by public interest before corporate interest. That's a fancy term for saying the, f- the many before the few, the interests of the many before the few, 
to ensure that housing becomes the major issue, not just in Victoria, but the rest of Australia. And I'll tell you why it's a major issue, because the great thing about living in an organic community is that you tend to put things together. We're told it's all too complex. It's not complex. It's so simple. It's so simple. Keep listening. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. If you want to get on our Twitter handle, it's pibc, P-I-B-C-I dot info at gmail.com. That's pibc, Twitter handle, pibc, P-I-B-C-I dot info at gmail.com. That account has been reactivated and we'll be kind of spewing messages for the next few years. Well, you can always join public interest before corporate interest. You can download the application form, pibc.net. PIBCI.net, download the application form. Can't download the application form, don't know how to. Leave a message on 0439 395 489. Leave a contact name and address. You know, go to the Anarchist website, anarchistmedia.org. Go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Board with all this, give, write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. So what I'm saying is there are alternatives. There are always alternatives in society. Always alternatives. Always things we can do. Every day. Every day. And we can actually make a difference. You don't really have to be a comedian and work out, you know, your spiel and have it all down patter to, you know, seconds waiting for laughs. All you've got to do is listen to the Australian news. Just so pathetic. You see, the Australian Federal Police, my favourite people, they never learn. Remember the Bali Nine? Two executed, seven still in prison. Well, guess who was responsible for all that? Obviously the people involved were responsible, but the Australian Federal Police had two options. And they knew that Indonesia had the death penalty for this type of uh, crime. They knew that. They could either arrest the mules and the organisers when they turned up in Australia because they knew all about them or they could alert the Indonesian authorities. So what did they do? They alerted the Indonesian authorities knowing there was a high probability that some would be executed. End of story. And we do have policy which quite clearly states that people will not be extradited to countries where they face execution. So you think the Australian Federal Police 10 years later would have learnt their lesson? Well, it looks like they're a bit slow learners and you do expect them to be slow learners because they are the product of a rotten egg. Ah, you say, how's that? Well, I have told you this story before, but I'll tell you it in a minute. Now, the, currently, there's a gentleman called Hakim El Arabi. He's a bit of a soccer player, 
uh, a bit of, a refugee, permanent resident, escaped from Bahrain. Not a nice place if you're a minority. And uh, given permanent residence by the Australian government, plays uh, semi-professional soccer for the Pasco Vale South team. And it's interesting to see how little interest the uh, Soccer Federation is actually taking in this player, but that's a different matter. Makes all the right... Uh, is married, makes all the uh, right inquiries, told by the Thai government you can go to Thailand for a holiday, needed a break, you know, a cheap holiday. Goes to Thailand, gets arrested. On Interpol, D-notice. Because the Bahrain government, never keen on... Uh, you know, opposition figures who actually question the right of a feudal, a brutal feudal monarchy to exercise their will over its citizens kind of wants him back, wants to jail and torture him for his political activities in Bahrain, which has been going through a bit of a uh, tussle over the last few years. So what do you think the Australian Federal Police did? They notified the Thai government that there was this notice on this gentleman. Why wasn't he arrested in Australia and deported to Bahrain? Because they knew that the Australian courts would not deport him. So some genius in the Australian Federal Police decided to alert the Thai authorities that this gentleman and his wife were on holiday in Thailand, and hey presto, there you have it. Fascinating, isn't it? And the rotten egg story? Well, it is nearly the end of the year and nearly Christmas, so I might as well tell you the rotten egg story. In 1917, when Billy Hughes, the renegade Prime Minister of Australia, was touring southern Queensland trying to drum up for his conscription plebiscite, which had failed in December 1916 and again failed in November 1917, where he wanted you know, to conscript another 400,000 young men to be slaughtered on the European killing fields. You know, he was, you know, got off the train. I think it was at Ipswich in Queensland. And a protester threw an egg at him. So his entourage demanded that the local police arrest this renegade, right? Now, the local police said, look, mate, if this is a federation, I work for Red Ted Theodore, the Premier of Queensland. I don't work for you, mate. You're just the Prime Minister of Australia. And he refused to arrest the gentleman. Now, at that stage, the Australian federal government was relying on the goodwill of the states, to enforce its legislation. So he rushed back to Melbourne, I think, in those days. There was no Canberra in 1917. Parliament House was in Melbourne. And passed legislation which created the Australian Federal Police. And cartoonists of the time, yes, there were many cartoonists of that area, had a field day showing a little Bobby, which is a you know, pseudonym for a police officer, been hatched out of a broken egg. The number of cartoons of that period were quite extraordinary. So there you are. My congratulations to the Australian Federal Police and I assume they will continue their uh, good work. Maybe one day we'll actually see some corporate, corporate heads 
arrested for wholesale violations of law. It's incredible, isn't it? Executive after executive in the Banking Royal Commission, nothing happens. Nothing happens. If I did 0.01% of the activity they were involved in, I'm sure I'd be behind bars now, but that's the way it goes in the land of the brave and the three. Sorry, the land of the little brother or little sister of the of the brave and the three. All right, let's move on. More serious matters. I mean, I know it's getting to the end of the year and I am losing the plot somewhat, but that's the way it goes. And if you do want to see me lose the plot, we are having the uh, traditional uh, end-of-year dinner uh, Wednesday the 19th of December. And if you're in Melbourne, you're welcome to come, 6pm, as long as you pay for your own food and drinks. Bring a Chris Kringle. Share the joy at La Porquetas at uh, 395 Raftdown Street, Carlton North, starting at 6pm, finishing around 9pm. So if you're around, drop in. If you're not, there's always next year. OK, let's move on. The economy. Now, aren't you excited? I'm really, 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 really excited. I'm so excited I've wet my pants in anticipation. We may have or the Australian government, may have a budget surplus. Now, we're told we will have a budget surplus, but again, these are forecasts. Okay, let's get this right. It's like me saying to you, wouldn't it be nice next year that we had 100,000 people on the streets regarding the issue of public housing? Now, that's my expectation. Now, obviously, my expectations have got nothing to do with reality. I'd be lucky to get 25 initially. So it's the same with this budget surplus. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say there is a budget surplus of 4 $5 billion, which is about 1% in a budget of 400... No, yeah, 1% in a budget of about $450 billion. And they're saying that they've done this because they're good economic managers. Well, you know, what have they done? What have they done? Well, they're relying on commodity prices, one. But two, they've actually... Increase the screws after a lot of you know debate and posturing and pushing and shoving on the corporate sector, so they pay a little bit more tax. So those receipts have increased. But you know where the maximum savings have come? They have come by exploiting the most vulnerable, disadvantaged, exploited, marginalised people in the community. They've come from forcing single parents to go to work when their children turn eight. They've come from tightening the disability pension requirements to such a degree that very few people actually meet that criteria. It's come from keeping the New Start allowance at a ridiculously low level. It's come from cutting the public budget as far as public education and public health is concerned. It's come at the expense of the 30% of Australians who find themselves on social security benefits, who need social security benefits to survive. That's where it's come from. It hasn't come 
through forcing the corporate sector to pay their fair share of taxation. It hasn't come from introducing taxation measures which will capture transnational corporations who voluntarily pay taxation or illegally pay no taxation in the state. hasn't come from that. It's a little bit like saying that next year I'm going to be walking a lot faster but not telling people you've cut off one of your arms so you won't be catching any balls that well. So we really need to look behind the news. We we need to look behind the figures. We need to look at the facts. I know it's very unfashionable to look at facts. In 2018, the year of manufactured reality. Because, you know, the great thing about the virtual world, it's a little bit like the legacy media, the real world. We had a manufactured reality in the past which was manufactured by a small number of newspaper owners who uh, basically ran the roost. Today we have a manufactured reality, which is manufactured to a significant degree, by a high number of people who basically ignore facts and manufacture reality to suit their current ideological whims. So everybody gets jumps up and down about issues which are really irrelevant, of no interest to anybody, which will never change anything, which never pose a threat to power. And that's the reality that we're looking at in 2018 as we move into 2019. A reality that's been hijacked by minorities who use the new technology to sow division and hate, who use the new technology to exploit each and every one of us in every way imaginable. So in this type of situation, we need to look at the reality. So what's the reality facing most Australians? And I'm going to ignore the 33% of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits to survive because we know what their reality is like. Many listeners to this program are Social Security beneficiaries and you know what your reality is like. But I'm going to look at the reality of middle Australia. Working Australia, upper class Australia, the reality that we face as a community. And the reality is a little bit different to what's been manufactured, what has been used to bamboozle us, hypnotise us into believing that corporate capitalism giving power, allowing unaccountable corporations to dictate parliamentary policy is the most sane way of doing business in the land of Oz in 2018. So what have we got? We've seen the alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the old Australian Labor Party carry on at its national conference. And if anybody needed a lesson in what happens to political parties as they uh, attempt to uh, water down their policies in order to gain the seat of government. All we have to do is look at the Labor Party. 
First of all, give you an example. So what are people looking at? Stagnant wages. Stagnant. You know when you go to look, you look at a stagnant water pool, it stinks. Well, we have stagnant wages. What that means is, in plain English, that laws have been passed which have basically criminalised traditional trade union activity, which has made unions basically out to be fugs. Laws that have outlawed the right to strike in this country, except except outside the enterprise bargaining agreement period. Laws that force workers to answer questions in closed courts. That's right. Even a mass murderer in a trial has the right to refuse questions. Even a mass murderer in a police under police custody has the right to say nothing. When it comes to working people who are trying to improve their lot in life, being involved in organised workplace activity, they can be hauled up at any time. And if they refuse to answer questions about a, a meeting they attended, they can be jailed. This is the law. I'm not making this shit up. It's the law. And you take a wildcat strike and you can lose your home. It's the law. Fines of $10,000 a day on individual union members. Because they understand they don't want martyrs. They just want you to drain you of your money. So we've got stagnant wages because we've got high intake of temporary workers who are usually non-unionised who are willing to work for the basic wage, who are exploited in many situations. We have stagnant wages because workers can no longer bargain effectively. So what do you think the, what do you think the work, you know, the, your employer's going to do? Say, oh, you've been such a good worker all year. You've maximised my profit so I can go to Alcapulco, you know, this year. Here's an extra $5 for the kiddies during Christmas. Come on. So we've got stagnant wages. Then we've got high debt. Now, I think I'm correct, and usually, sometimes I'm not, but this time I'm pretty confident, that we have the highest rate of household debt in the world. That's Australians. And it's okay if you've got debt, if you can pay the interest on that debt and keep your head above water. But with stagnant wages, it becomes harder and harder to service a debt. Because people rely on wage increases above the rate of inflation in order to, you know, tackle their debt issues. So we've got stagnant wages. This is in the real world, not the manufactured world, not the world of you know, the issue world, the socially progressive world. This is the real world. Stagnant wages, high debt levels. On top of that, you have decreasing housing prices, which makes sense. So what does that mean? Even an idiot like me knows what that means. What that means is that the money you have 
available to spend. It's called consumption. Decreases. So you can't buy things. And some things are essential to a reasonable life. You find that you can't buy things. While electricity charges go up, gas charges go up, rates go up, government charges go up, fines go up, and the list goes on and on. Your wages are stagnant. Debt levels are high. Housing prices are falling. Can't even sell a house and clear your debt. So what do you do? You spend less. Of course you spend less because you haven't got enough to spend. And they're not going to give you any more money because you're indebted up to your neck. So what happens when you spend less in a capitalist economy? Profits decrease. And what happens when shareholders, those wonderful people who bankroll private enterprise around this country, what happens when housing prices drop? Shareholders move on. They go to another company trying to chase a higher dividend. That's the real Australia. That's the situation we face in 2019. One third of Australians rely in the majority of cases on inadequate social security benefits to survive. Another, you know, almost two thirds, and I'm leaving out the one percenters, I'm not talking about bikey gangs either. Um, Faced with the the problem of stagnant wages, high debt levels, decreasing housing prices, decreasing consumption. You decrease consumption, you decrease profitability, you get job insecurity. doesn't matter how low the wages are, you get job insecurity. You get job insecurity, you lose your job, the whole pack of cards collapses. So, if I was a bit of an alarmist, I'd say we were on borrowed time in this country. And what can the Reserve Bank do? Well, they're going to keep reducing interest rates to nothing, which has happened in certain countries. And then they can actually create money out of thin air and give it to the banks to lend to you, to keep the whole cycle going. That's the beauty of living in a capitalist society. Now, I'm not saying... There were things as bad in this country as many other countries. But you know what the difference is? We have a tradition of standing up. Not now, but in the past. We had a tradition of organising into trade unions. We had a tradition of protest. Even during the height of World War I, more Australian people voted against conscription than voted for conscription. We have a history of agitation, have a history of protests, sitting, strikes, lockouts, you name it, consumer boycotts, direct action, parliamentary action, which has forced the state to act on behalf of the people, which has forced those who make a profit by exploiting other people's labour to make provisions for those people who create the profit for them, whether it's holiday pay, sickness benefit, workers' compensation, not unreasonable hours, fixed hours, and the list goes on and on. 
the creation of a social security system, the creation of a public health system, the creation of a public education system. And what we've seen in the last 40 years is the destruction, the destruction of those gains which were made through the blood, sweat and tears of generations of Australians. We've seen those gains swept aside. The difference between us and many other places in the world is that we fought for these rights and won those fights. And the world didn't come to an end. It improved for everybody. And what we've seen in the last 40 years, what we've seen in the last 40 years is the reversal of many of these gains gains during the privatisation, corporatisation, deregulation, globalisation tsunami which has swept this country and swept the world over the last 40 years. So ultimately it's not about manufacturing a new reality for yourself which is no correlation with the world. It's about stepping out of that manufactured reality into the real world and actually being involved in that movement which changes things, which creates history. You can be a spectator to history, you can create it. You can be a carping consumer for the rest of your life or you can be a concerned, active citizen who takes their citizenship of this country, you know, seriously. It's not just a matter of voting every three or four years. It's a matter of being continuously involved and active to ensure there is the maximum return for everybody, not just a small minority. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. This program has been emanating from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. It is broadcast around Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Yes, we will be broadcasting over the holiday period. No rest for the wicked and the good, and I think I'm one of the good, not the wicked. The wicked actually rest, the good don't. That's why they're good. So thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week. Don't forget, things are happening. Listen to the program. You'll find out what's happening uh, if you keep listening. And uh, thank you for listening to the program during the uh, 2018. And whatever you do, think about getting out of that armchair, escaping from that virtual world, Get into the real world. It may not be pleasant at, at first, but I know and you know that's the way we need to live our lives. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.